He's a professor of chemical physics at Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. He also teaches Christianity and science. And he is the recipient of numerous awards, including the National Academy of Science Award for initiatives in research. So we'd like to welcome Dr. Gary Patterson. Thank you. So what I'm going to be talking about today is a chapter from a forthcoming book with University Press called An Evangelical Stance. Uh, a religious or philosophical stance doesn't necessarily produce any outcome, but it's the way that you view the input that you get to produce the outcome that you wish. And many things change in terms of input. As a professional scientist, we're constantly trying to come to some sort of conclusion that we can publish, and there are approaches to that that we might call protocols or stances. And here, I'm going to be talking largely about that, but I'm going to use lots of examples of how such a stance approach would apply to things in uh, physics and chemistry primarily, since those are my fields. Now, the universe as we know it is more complex than we expect. Many of the errors caused by Christians and others have been an assumption that the world is so simple that any idiot could understand it. The good news for scientists, because we'd like to keep a job, is that the world is more complex than we expect, and not only that, more interesting than we've ever been told. One of the reasons that no one goes into science, not just women, uh, is that they're told in junior high school that everything is known and that science is really dumb and that the teacher hates it and they should too. Uh, the good news for us is that, in fact, this is the great age of science. There's so much to be known. It's so much more interesting than junior high school teachers tell us that maybe there'll still be a job for me and people like me. Now, we also believe that physical reality is being created by God is a way that we can increase our appreciation of the Creator. Now, if we're going to look at physical reality... I think it's important to actually do it. Many people take the a priori approach to things. They really know how God would have done it, and hence that's the way he did do it. And there's no point in looking. I really believe that the universe must be observed to be understood. So that doing experiments, even thought experiments, are a really good idea. I am an experimental chemical physicist. I torture molecules with lasers and, and things like that. If we want to talk about what we've done, we actually have to model reality in order to discuss it. The idea that our way of discussing the world just emerges out of the ooze of data, of course, isn't how science is actually done. And science with a capital S doesn't exist at all. Now, all models or theories are provisional. They're not the final story. They're our best guess at the present, good enough to get it past a referee, and good enough to avoid being stoned when we present it at international meetings. And if it passes those tests, it's okay for today. The good news is that tomorrow there will be another theory and we can publish another paper and get another grant. It's important for scientists as Christians to be knowledgeable about the past. Many Christians think they don't need to know about the history of humans' efforts to understand physical reality. We need to be engaged in the present. 
We need to be in dialogue with all the others that are playing in the little games that we play. Science is played by little groups of humans who, for one reason or another, have gotten enough time and enough money to go to exotic places and talk about what they don't understand. I enjoy doing this. I'm thankful for the money. As Christians, we need to be open to the future. One of the things that Paul tells us is that now we see through a glass darkly. We don't know where science is going. And to be really truthful, we don't know where theology is going either. As Christians, we know that Jesus is going with us. But as scientists, we're counting on the fact that science is going to continue to go someplace and that there's going to continue to be a job for us. Now, if we look at a subject like cosmology, this is a very active area. We've heard lots of talks that are relevant to cosmology a little bit. Christians need to be knowledgeable about the current consensus. A great deal of discussion in Christian circles is so abysmally ignorant about the current state of consensus that all it does is create confusion in Christianity. For example, more than 90% of the world, we are now being told, is made up out of dark matter and dark energy. We ought to be rather humble about saying that we know what can and cannot happen in the physical world. We should be open to future developments. If there's anything you can count on in cosmology, is that tomorrow the picture will be different. People are counting on it, and it does happen. If we're going to be involved with Christian cosmology at all, we need to be engaged in the current discussion. We can't be having a little talk over here among people who don't know what's going on when there's so much neat stuff going on. Last fall, I was in China giving Templeton lectures. Don Page from Calgary, Alberta, gave a wonderful talk entitled, God Loves the Multiverse. He did his PhD with Hawking, somebody that knows a little bit about black holes, sent me a great paper on black hole thermodynamics. Anybody have any idea what the temperature of a black hole is? It's 10 to the minus 5 Kelvin. It's really, really cold in there. So there's lots of stuff going on. It's a very complicated area. If Christians are going to interact with it, they better know what they're talking about. Now, we live in a universe which we believe has a history. The Big Bang is a buzzword for talking about the natural history of the universe. I once suffered through a day in a football stadium, somebody sitting in front of me with a t-shirt denouncing the Big Bang. Uh, that's obscurantism of the worst sort for Christians to do that. The whole subject of the beginning, we saw a little uh, diagram. Stephen Hawking, for example, talks about imaginary time at the beginning. Other people talk about circularities and, and whatever else. There are really subtle issues here. If we're going to talk about them, we ought to know something about them. As the universe started to expand, it got very homogeneous. Alan Booth explains this in terms of inflation. Uh, we believe that observations in the present can be used to lead to inferences about the past. There are lots of people who deny the possibility of natural history. For example, they know exactly how it happened, and they don't need to look. But for the rest of us, we get paid to look at the world. Sometimes we look at the world and you say, you know, I see things now that imply that things happened in the past. It's how all forensic science works. It's how all natural histories work. Christian cosmologists think it works there, too. If we look at the spectroscopy of cosmic light, I look at spectroscopy for a living. Scientists have inferred 
that it was about 13.7 billion years ago that the so-called Big Bang occurred. If Christians are going to say other than that, they better know what they're talking about because Augustine reminded us if we're going to speak nonsense in public, they're going to think that Jesus is nonsense too. So I'm not an expert in this area. If you want to read a good book, Owen Gingrich has written a wonderful one called God's Universe, highly recommended. I do teach thermodynamics. This is something where, in principle, I know something about it. Uh, thermodynamics tells us that energy is conserved. We don't know that that's true, but uh, all of us that play thermodynamics assume that energy is conserved. And every time we've made that assumption, it's led to wonderful progress in physics. So my guess is it's going to continue to be assumed for a good long time. We also believe that if a system is not currently at equilibrium and it's closed, that it will evolve in time until it does reach equilibrium. That's a nice statement of the second law of thermodynamics. There are no known exceptions. And yet, I was taken to a room in Santee, California, and made to view all these things that said that entropy was sin. I think it's a really bad idea for Christians to conflate theological and scientific things. It's especially a bad idea because it creates confusion in the minds of the world about one, what science is happening, and two, that Christians are all obscurantists. There's also thermodynamics talks about equilibrium. Biologists call equilibrium death. Economists call it bankruptcy. So chemistry is the study of bad things. But in the world we live in is actually a very dynamic world. Things are constantly changing. And I study those dynamic things in the laboratory for a living. The importance of fluctuations cannot be uh, ignored. We live in a complex world of constant change. One of the consequences of that, it's really fun to study it. That things are constantly happening, and it's fun to watch them happen. What about quantum mechanics? I use this for amusement as well. It's a paradigm for small and light particles. It's not intuitive. Science is not natural. There's a wonderful book on the unnatural nature of science. It's highly counterintuitive. People say, well, science is just common sense. No, science is not common sense. That often scientists look in regimes that don't make any sense to us at all. Quantum mechanics is certainly one of those. But it's a very accurate theory. It allows me and other people to make really good predictions about what's going to happen in certain situations in the laboratory. So it's a good thing to do. Part of quantum mechanics is the so-called uncertainty principle which is a very careful statement about fluctuations in either position and momentum, time and energy. It's a very restricted scientific and mathematical statement about physical reality. Unfortunately, many people take science as quantum mechanics and misunderstand it and lead to the idea that somehow quantum mechanics supports moral relativism or that somehow quantum mechanics provides free will or whatever else. I think all of that is nonsense. I really think that quantum mechanics is a wonderful human theory that helps us to understand the world, but in fact, it's not a good idea to try and make it be the savior of some philosophical problem someplace. Now, there is a concept in quantum mechanics which is called complementarity, and that is that sometimes as humans, we cannot fully understand the system, so we model it in a variety of different complementary ways. That actually can be useful in theology as well as science. Now, there is somebody that does know what they're talking about on this subject, and that's John Polkinghorne. He's written both well and often on the subject of quantum mechanics and Christianity. I highly recommend any of his books.
What about chemistry? I am professor of chemical physics. I believe that matter is created and good. Now, a lot of Christians don't believe that matter is good. This is not a new idea. It's been around for thousands of years. One of my favorite theologians is Origen, and he had to deal with people who thought that matter was evil. Many fundamental Christians believe that matter is evil and that we have been sentenced to be in a body. I really don't find that, as a chemist, to be a particularly amusing way of describing matter. I think that matter is created and good. Uh, we believe that matter started with cork soup. Uh, in the beginning, there were the corks. Eventually, it cooled enough to, to get a little matter. Uh, the early universe was dominated by hydrogen and helium. Now, you and I are primarily hydrogen and helium. Um, so what happened? Uh, we're told that, in fact, eventually uh, the stars collapsed. We got supernova, and in supernova explosions, we made heavy atoms. Um, the theory seems to work pretty well. It's like many of, the, of those sorts of theories. Uh, the nuclear chemistry that goes into understanding nucleosynthesis is in a highly evolved state. Nevertheless, there's a significant fraction of the Christian community which seems to feel that it's amusing to attack nuclear chemistry as both wrong and misguided. Uh, if they're going to do that, they better know what they're talking about because the nuclear chemists have a huge arsenal of very good experiments that they've done. They've made the measurements. This is not just talking through their hat. What does the rest of the world think when Christians denounce nuclear chemistry? They just think that Christians don't know what they're talking about. And they think that Jesus is not worth listening about. There's a subtext here. What about the natural history of the solar system? We believe that our sun is a second generation star, that there are elements in our sun that wouldn't have been there in first generation stars. Uh, we believe that the solar system uh, has a complex history, a complex history. Now, there have been people who have tried to use observations in the present to infer what happened in our solar system in the past. Uh, Generally, they fall into some kind of nebular models for how the solar system evolved in time, formation of planetary rings, coalescence, things like that. One thing we know about the Earth in which we live is that it isn't the same as it was yesterday, a million years ago, a billion years ago. The Earth has changed in wonderful kinds of ways. When the Earth formed, it wasn't suitable for life. It didn't take it too long, though, before it was suitable for life. Now, this is the standard model of Earth history. Uh, there's essentially no serious discussion about that standard model uh, being anything other than it is within the earth science community. Yet within the Christian community, there are people who denigrate the standard model of earth science and think that they're doing something good by doing that. All they're really doing is saying to the rest of the world, forget about Jesus. The kind of people that preach Jesus denigrate the standard model of earth science as if they could do it with no consequences. If we're really serious about the gospel, we ought to be serious about the kind of nonsense that's uttered in public. Uh, some of that falls under the rubric of creation science. What about life itself? The most remarkable thing about life on planet Earth is that it appeared so quick. There was always the thought that the, with billions and billions and trillions of years, you know, eventually life would happen. The fact is, based on inferences from the present, run back into the past. Life appeared rather quickly. Just about as soon as we had a lot of liquid water on Earth that was cool enough to make it happen, life apparently appeared. Uh, there's a complex history to life on Earth. It's both continuous and old. 
And there was a proliferation of forms. History of life was inferred from observations in the present. We look at what we can see now, and we infer about what we had in the past. The whole idea of natural history is certainly standard in the academy. Christians should know the natural history. If they're going to talk in this area, they should know about the standard model for the natural history of life. It doesn't make it true, but if you're going to talk about it, you certainly need to know what it is. Now, there's somebody, Francis Collins, who's written a wonderful book, The Language of God, that explains to the evangelical community that biology isn't evil, that the study of life that's created by God has got to be good, not bad. The study of matter that was created by life is good, not bad. The study of light that was created by God is good, not bad. Well, we really shouldn't denigrate God's creation for some other reason. Now, what is physical reality like on Earth? People have different models of what they think is good and what they think is bad. For example, we live in a highly non-equilibrium system. Things are constantly fluctuating far from equilibrium. If things reached equilibrium, we would have death. So how can we talk about physical reality on Earth? John Polkinghorne is a wonderful way of talking about that. He likes to talk about things as faithful but flexible. If they weren't faithful, life could not persist. If they weren't flexible, life could not adapt. So I think it's a lovely way of talking about it. Yet, within much of the Christian community, it's a static world that's presented as the best, that perfection is stasis. I don't really think the Bible presents perfection as stasis. In fact, we live in a constantly changing world that we believe was created by God. A stance that I think is a useful one to take is that we should be grateful for a world that allows freedom and faith, hopeful about the future, reaching out in love to a world in need. Physical matter is complex and interesting. The model of the perfect crystal as the most heavenly model I don't think is appropriate in the present world. The actual world is dynamic and changing. An evangelical stance I think that's helpful is that we should be active in understanding and tending the earth as God's stewards. Now there are some theologians that take these same kind of stances in their approach to theology. Uh, Nancy Murphy, uh, Alistair McGrath, and Alan Paget have all written very nice science analogy types of natural theologies. I know them all. I like their work a lot. They emphasize that God is both powerful and subtle. Sometimes people are most impressed with the power of God. God is all-powerful. He's El Shaddai. But God is also very subtle. We need, in fact, to embrace all of God, not just some of God. We need to embrace his power, but we need to also embrace his subtlety. The Greek god, the one of Neoplatonism, was the simplest possible thing. There's a sense in which we should embrace that simplicity that so inspired origin. But in fact, God is also the most complex of all the creatures. Not a creature, obviously, the most complex of all beings. We should embrace both the complexity of God, but also the simplicity that inspired origin. Some people are impressed by God as decisive and discontinuous in episodic kinds of things. I believe firmly that God has done actual things in actual time, in actual places.
but God is also patient and continuous. There are some things that take time. Some people are saved on the beach when somebody puts a tract in their face. It happens. Some people take out an entire life of discourse before God brings them to the point where they say, yes, I want to accept Jesus. I think that model works pretty well. We need a complementary set of concepts in order to really appreciate natural theology. We shouldn't just fix on one of them and say that's the only one that matters. We need a multiplicity of complementary pictures to model an actual God. Now there's another aspect of reality that we cannot ignore. Many people debate whether there is or there isn't a God, but I've never found a single person that was willing to look at me with a straight face and s debate whether or not evil exists in the world in which we exist. Never found a single person. Maybe some of you know somebody who, with a straight face, will say, no, evil does not exist at all. I get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and I realize immediately that evil exists. Okay, it, It's something that we can... Uh, empirically verify at any time uh, whether evil exists or not. Part of being a Christian is accepting the reality of evil and suffering. Two theologians who've done a great job on this are Nancy Murphy and G.F.R. Ellis, who wrote a book with Stephen Hawking. So he knows a little bit about black holes. He also knows a little bit about the black side of our heart. He wrote a wonderful book on the moral nature of the universe. People might agree or disagree with some of the conclusions in that book, but you're never the same after you've read it. I believe the Christian should be actively involved in that world, just as God is actively involved. The one of Greek philosophy was uninvolved in this world. Aseity is held up as one of the highest goods of God in certain Christian circles. Uh, that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is the one who's actively involved in the world in which we live. Henri Blochet has written a wonderful book entitled God and the Cross, Evil and the Cross, pardon me, uh, highly recommended. Uh, Jesus knows our sorrows. He, enters, he entered into this world of matter. Jesus had a body. Okay, it's, I think it's important sometimes in discussion to recognize that Jesus had a body. Jesus was human. Humans can't be inherently bad in that sense. Jesus was human. Jesus had a body. made out of matter. It wasn't special stuff. Okay? Jesus entered into our world. God is not the God of aseity. He's the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He defeated death in his resurrection. I think natural theodicy is important for Christians that... In Jesus, we can look to an ultimate restoration. In conclusion, evangelical science is knowledgeable of the past and present, engaged in the present, and eager to embrace the future. Open to new ideas, but not in a hurry to embrace the latest thing. Science can be pretty chaotic, especially near the research edge. It's fun out there, but you get tired after a while surfing all those waves, eventually wiping out on this particular idea or that one. It's fun when you're doing it. I spent a lot of my career in Bell Labs, uh, surfing the waves of, of fundamental science. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. It's not a good idea for the Christian community as a whole to keep jumping on the latest surfboard, but it's also not a good idea to just turn our back and say, look, we know what the truth is. It doesn't matter what's happening out there in the world of ideas. We don't want evangelical science to be trapped in the bad science of the past. 
many, uh, I'm a historian of science as well. I give lots of talks around the world on the history of chemistry. One of the things I recognize is that I'm reading in the 16th and 17th century, I recognize long passages that are being quoted verbatim in the 21st century in books by people that are probably not at this conference. Those bad ideas from two and three hundred years ago are being presented as the latest ideas in the 21st century. Historical knowledge is a very good way of dealing with that kind of obscurantism. We don't want to be enslaved by the bad theology or the bad science of the past. We want to be open in the presence, not swayed by every wind of doctrine, but open to the good things that are happening now. The same Holy Spirit that existed in the time of Jesus exists now, that we should be open to the leading of the Holy Spirit in the present. We don't know exactly where we're going to go, but I think it's important for an evangelical stance to be knowledgeable of the past, engaged in the present, and hopeful for the future. Thank you very much. And so I wanted to get your opinion in the biological realm, which I almost got there in the living stuff, but the biological one, with the issue of uh, DNA evidence for common descent, would you say that's a scientific fact that is leading to travesties in theology for people who don't accept that? Or would you say it was that state of science? Okay, now obviously I'm, I'm not a professional biologist. I published a few papers in biochemistry and things like that, but I'm, I'm not an expert in that area. Francis Collins is somebody who knows a little bit about DNA, and I would highly recommend reading Francis Collins' book. I'm not the right person to address that particular question. Yes, really. That, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you completely. No, I, I, I think that's just good science, okay? I mean, I, I'm not, I, 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 in this book, the, the, the book is an evangelical stance, okay? So as an evangelical, I'm self-identifying as an evangelical, I think that kind of science is just good science. I mean, anyone should do it that way. Okay. Do you regard intelligent design as a theological travesty? You didn't see it up there, did you? I did not see it, so I'm okay. asking the question. Uh, I think, I mean, I teach an academic course on Christianity and science. I travel all around the world giving lect science lectures as well as lectures on Christianity and science. When someone suggests in public that the earth is 6,000 years old, the discussion stops. You know, you can just all of a sudden you can feel the chill in the room as this happens. Suggesting now in public that the Earth is 6,000 years old is a discussion stopper in the public square. Uh, that, I think, is a travesty, and that's what I, what I put
put up there, suggesting that science itself is somehow misguided, that scientists wish for some malevolent reason to denounce Christianity is just complete nonsense. When you have anti-scientific cant expressed in the public square, that's a discussion stopper. I think it's a really, really bad idea. Uh, Mike B is a close personal friend. David Snoke's a close personal friend. Fritz Schaefer's a close personal friend. I don't, I don't have anything bad to say on that subject. I think it's an important point that uh, all the time we use inference to reconstruct the past as in forensics or World Trade Center collapse. But uh, somehow in some schools of evangelical thought, uh, they, they really slam that as a part of the scientific process. But it is part of the scientific process. Yeah, and we, and we call it natural history. Okay, I mean, uh, as a historian of science, the 19th century in England was the great age of natural history. And right now is the great age of certain kinds of cosmological natural history. The things we're learning about the universe are just fascinating. Every day, something really new comes out that leads us to praise our creator for the complexity and interest of the world in which we live. Think of a god that could do the kind of things we're seeing. <laughs> in your slides, you use labels like evangelical science and, in an earlier slide, Christian cosmology. And I would avoid such labels. Yeah, no, I, 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 I take your point. God's truth. I, I, I take your point. I, I don't mean to demarcate by, by doing that. It's Like I say, it's a chapter from my book. We don't have a separate cosmology. No, no I, I know that. I, I, I take your point completely. Thanks. Thank you very much. Okay.